0: that's also a trait that artists have too like we're natural problem solvers in a lot of ways that's kind of how a lot of our art is created through sort of solving problems or within the art itself or maybe sometimes within the world
1: welcome to artist's as leader where we explore the intersection of creativity and leadership I'm Rob Kramer, founder and CEO of Kramer Leadership, whose mission is to advance leaders for the greater good. And I'm Pierre Carlo Talenti, the producer
2: and editor of this podcast brought to you by the Keenan Institute for the Arts at the University of North Carolina School of the Arts.
1: So this week, we bring you Pierre Carlo's interview with musician Eric Gilbert. He is the co-founder and program director of Treefort Music Fest in Boise, Idaho. So Pierre Carlo, what should we know about Eric?
2: I think for one thing, we should all know that thanks in no small measure to Eric Gilbert's leadership and advocacy, Boise, Idaho is now recognized as an especially important and enjoyable hub, not only for musicians in the American West, but also for artists of all stripes. He's really, I think, changed the cultural landscape of that city in just a few years. Nice. Uh, Eric founded Treefort Music Fest in 2012 with three business partners. Uh, To tell you more about Treefort, it's a week-long festival that has always placed participating artists and the Boise community firmly at its heart, and Treefort quickly became one of the West's leading music festivals, beloved by musicians, audiences, and Idahoans alike. The community itself gradually expanded the Fest's cultural offerings, and by 2019, last year, A ticket holder could enjoy not only hearing 437 bands in 37 venues, right, on just one week, but also seeing and or participating in nine so-called forts. The examples of forts include Hack Fort, Drag Fort, and Kid Fort. And all of these side forts were conceived and are largely run by community members. So you can see how the whole town is heavily invested in the festival as a a whole. It just sounds Mm. like a complete blast to me. Eric spoke to me from his home in Boise. I started by asking him to tell us about his artistic path before we started discussing his leadership journey.
0: So, you know, I kind of came into being an artist a little later, I guess, in 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 my life in the sense that, you know, I was already in college and I was an engineering major and um, pretty, uh, like, you know, pretty classic freshman, sophomore in college, not really sure what I wanted to do, relatively good at school and doing school well but you know just seeking i guess more purpose in my life at the time and um so i started taking i I started taking some poetry classes and um for a long i was you know uh an english major and you know diving into creative writing and then i uh i'd always been a fan of music but hadn't you know i played piano when i was a kid but hadn't really um considered it something i was gonna do more of and so started taking a lot of music classes you know i just sort of had a revelation early in college that you know i had like there was a lot of life left and i didn't need to rush where i was heading and um made a pivot to just start pursuing what, what i was passionate about at the time and you know so before long i was uh, you know after a year and a half of being an engineering major and getting an internship and doing all kinds of stuff like that i by two and a half years in, I was a music theory and music history major, and and end up getting a minor in creative writing. So through that, started playing bands a bunch. Met my wife out in Vermont, and we both we live in Idaho now. But uh, met her, and she was uh, a mu- musician at the time and doing her own stuff. And then um, we ended up toward the tail end of college, starting to play together more. And then after college, formed a couple different bands, but then one in particular with a good friend of ours uh, named Cam. He's a drummer and formed a band called Finn Riggins and you know all original stuff and we just we, we moved to a small town in Idaho um, in the Sun Valley area called Haley Idaho and um, just you know we were you know late 20s at that point and we're just you know basically focusing our life completely on being artists practicing every day writing and then started touring pretty quickly after that um, pretty heavily we sort of lived in a van for essentially lived in a van like 200 plus days out of the year between like 2007 2011 and so yeah i think you know i think music and art in general is you know i've always looked at as kind of a, a a lifetime sport and so um yeah it's been it was really great to sort of rekindle kind of something i'd explored as a kid more and you know really make it such a huge part of my life
2: and are you still are you still playing in bands now I am still playing,
0: but not, I haven't played on a stage in a little over a year now. And, but, you know, I, we, my wife and I now have a daughter who's almost seven and, and it's a little bit more, like my, my wife actually has an active band right now, Um, but we play as a family and, you know, with a lot of like cool collaborations with the little one. And I do have a new project that I'm um, rehearsing with, or at least just kind of jamming with. Um, You know, I think it's, as I made the pivot into being, you know, you know, more full-time art advocate uh, that started really fulfilling me in a very similar way of being an artist. And, and, you know, so I'd sort of, yeah, I just started putting my energy into this new path that I've, that I, that I've been on. And it's um,
2: interesting you describe yourself as an arts advocate. So I I know you as the program director of this really vibrant festival and as a co-founder. So can you tell us about how you got into that and why yeah. you see it particularly as arts advocacy.
0: Well, I think when I, even when I was in college, like I was playing in bands, but I was also putting together shows and just like supporting my friends that were in bands and just like had just a really big passion for helping make space for, um, for arts and particular music. Um, you know, I got active in like the, um, student activities committee cause I was frustrated with what their, uh, programming was like and, you know, so I've, I've long just kind of advocated for not just my friends, but just, you know, lesser heard, uh, bands and, and, and artists. Um, I mean, when my wife and I got married in a park in Moscow, Idaho, we, it was the morning of this community festival that we had helped start. And that was like in 2002. So I, I, I kind oh, of, Oh,
2: so you're already, you're already creating a lot of you you yeah, created a yeah. festival before Treefort that was already mm-hmm. in your blood.
0: Yeah, just, and I, yeah, exactly. I've just been helping set up shows, mini festivals. We had this thing called Ranch Fest that was on a, uh, our drummer's family had some property with a barn that we just, it started as a kind of a housewarming ranch party. And before long, it was two days, 35 bands and, you know, and and invite only sort of. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of being part of the DIY sort of music scene is you do a lot of, you know, you're doing a lot of the organizing. You know, I booked our tours and helped our friends set up shows when they came through. So there's a lot of the mechanics of putting together events that ends up being kind of part of being an artist in in that world. You know, I always thought you know part of being an artist is sort of advocating for the world that you want it to be, um, and that goes also for supporting other artists that are around you. So through all that work, that's kind of like when. So in 2011, when I met the folks that. In, Partnering with uh, me and helping uh, create Treefort Music Fest here in Boise, uh, you know, I'd had a lot of experience playing at festivals like that, or doing, you know, organizing. But Treefort was by far the biggest project that I'd put together. But I'd sort of had experienced a lot of the different facets. that would, you know, set up a lot of shows. I, I was a sound engineer too, as it was kind of one of the gigs I had when we weren't on the road, and I was booking our tours. I sort of understood a lot of what it all the inner workings a little bit and so so through all that that's kind of what just kind of positioned me pretty well and then i'd also just could you know Treefort was really built from this very artist-centric point of view and in large part because i was one of the ones at the center of it and was an artist and was really trying to build it as something that myself and my artist friends would be excited about you know sometimes festivals aren't exactly what we all want
2: them to be so you're because you clearly as as an artist then you perform in a lot of festivals so what mm-hmm. Uh, yes. How do you treat artists in a way that you yourself might not have been treated when you were touring?
0: Yeah, I think there's it's maybe not super black and white around that, but I think one of the some of the core initial principles with Treefort was, um, you, you know, I- inviting a lot of artists that ne- didn't necessarily have representation yet, um, you know, and so you know a lot of the American festival circuit, actually, the world festival circuit is. Most of the lineups are relatively the same because they're all coming from the same sort of artist representation uh, pools. And there's not a lot of uh, opportunity sometimes for really like uh, DIY artists or artists that are just newer that haven't sort of broken through on the industry side yet. So it was sort of designed to work with the industry, but also you know make space. And so one of the ways we did that was making our submissions free. A lot of festivals charged for, for submissions on the front facing side, unless you had representation, there was ways around that, you know? And so that was one thing. The other thing is like, you know, festivals were starting to get real um, co-opted by sponsorship, by corporate sponsorship and, and 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 such. And that's part of what it takes. You know, I, I, I get the sustainability aspects, but with Treefort, we really like sort of tried to, we just created our own parameters for that. And, you know, there's still sponsorship, but you know, there's no, banners on stages and you know it's really and that was something that the artists have resonated with really quickly you know is is that it finally felt like something that felt artist-centric and not like oh cool this is Budweiser uh, centric and and I'm playing in front of their big uh, sign (laughs) so um so there's you know kind of maybe in some ways subtler things like that um and just I think spending for me too, just spending a lot of time trying to be inclusive and even like beyond our own tastes, re- reaching out to different pockets of the community here, but in the music scene and uh, around the West and otherwise. And you know, like I'm I'm not a big metal um, uh, uh, expert or aficionado, but uh, actively we were trying to talk to those pools of the scene, and we really wanted. It to reflect. It was more so. Here's a good way to look at it: is like the headliners of we've always thought of like we wanted to book headliners that were inspirations to the artists that were playing on the festival, not necessarily who would necessarily sell the most the most tickets. So it was all you know, sort of you know, reflecting the artists' uh tastes themselves. Like who are they inspired and excited
2: by? That's interesting because then in your it feels to me like in your mind's eye, your ideal audience is the artists themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually. Yeah, very much so, and then, yeah, yeah, and that's kind of and so with Tree Fort now, there's a bunch of other forts that, and not to stray too far from this, but you know, there's a there's a story fort, which is all literary focused. Um, there's there's a, there's an art fort, there's a skate fort, a food fort, an ale fort, a hack. There's a drag fort, a yoga all... fort, a drag fort,
2: yeah. and
0: so from a similar perspective, all of those of you know, it wasn't like a small leadership group of us sat around like, all right, let's, what are we going to do next? It was more people from within those, those pockets of the community came to us like, Hey, we'd love to do something that represents what we're passionate about. And, you know, we essentially made space to, uh, to, and, and then in current, you know, our, our kind of joke answer is like, that sounds great. You want to do it. <laughs> and then, and uh, you know, and invite them in. So once again, it's, you know, if, if someone's doing drag for it, it's the drag community that are, that are, you know, Putting folks on stages that they're excited about and feel like genuinely reflect their their community, you know, and so um, and that's very much kind of how the music portion of it started too, as a reflection.
2: What did you learn about yourself and uh, your leadership skills in that first year?
0: I think what I learned about myself as a leader, and one thing I think I kind of honed on the road was um, that I'm pretty good at uh, you know I, what I used to have a saying when we were playing shows too. It's like you know, basically like leave it all on the field and, and um, do everything you can to get people there. But in the end, like you only have so much control over the outcome. Um, and so I, I, I'm i pretty good at um, just being able to roll with the punches. I think that's just something like, I think that artists in general are good at improvising, good at like sort of striving for what they want out of the world, but also being willing to accept the world as it is, you know? So if it, you know, if it snows on Sunday morning, you, you make the most of it. You make, you know, you in the, in Sunday morning of the festival, which has, which has happened, and you know, and so I think I'm I'm very co- co- cool and calm and collected in the face of sometimes what I think would be seen as existential threats to what uh-huh. we're trying to do. Like we've had headliners cancel like the day before they're supposed to show up, and wow. and I think that doesn't, it hasn't, you know, for me, I'm always like, well, cool. What are we going to, how are we going to make this special then? <laughs> you know? And
2: so. I'm going to guess that the pandemic has proved to be one of your greatest leadership challenges. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, yeah. could you I talk think, yeah. about <laughs> leading through, through yeah. that, about past, present and future, given what's going on? Cause when was the festival takes place in March, right? Yeah, yeah. So and it was scheduled to begin when? I
0: can't remember the dates. <laughs> yeah, it was, tw- it was the twenty fifth this, this year, twenty fifth, because we canceled on the eleventh. So we end up having to announce our you know basically postponement on March eleventh. And I think one of the the challenges, one of the frustrations around it was that um, they're usually like like I don't know dealing with a natural disaster or a or a you know national threat like that. There's there's leadership above us somewhere that is handling those portions of, 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 of public safety. And it was really challenging this, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot of, it's just like, so I, you know, we basically had to take a new level of leadership locally and basically like, you know, get out in front of city and state and the feds at that point and, and postpone our festival before, anyone was telling us to, but it was obvious that we needed to,
2: but that was what was frustrating. <laughs>
0: it was like, is obviously. What, what were you
2: hearing from the bands you'd booked?
0: Of, most of the bands we booked wanted, were holding out all hope that it's still going to happen. Most of the local businesses, and that's the thing is we were, we were, we were actively seeking information beyond what was kind of hitting locally yet, you know? So I think when we postponed, everyone was like, Oh, Whoa, maybe this is more real than we thought it was, you know? And, and then by, basically the day of the festival would have happened, the state uh, was, that's when the state of Idaho shut down. So, um, but you know, we, we wanted to make sure everyone in two weeks is not, you know, but we wanted to make sure there was a lot of cutoff dates for the pe- people's like air, airbnbs and ho- ho- hotels. We wanted bands to be able to make different, tra- you know, be able to not get too far along on things. And so, you know, we, we purposely, yeah, we were just further ahead than, like once again le- leadership that was ahead of us. So that was frustrating but I think once we got clarity like okay cool no one's going to help us or no one's going to do this for us so we just grabbed the reins and and I think event organizers are pretty good at that in general you know and so I think once we got crisis clarity, management yeah crisis management is something and then it was like there was almost like a weird joy around just prob- problem solving because <laughs> that's something that <laughs> that we love and I think that's also a trait that artists have too like we're natural problem solvers in a lot of ways that's kind of how a lot of our art is created through sort of solving problems or within the art itself or maybe sometimes within the world um so and then I think the biggest challenge has been you know we're already a pretty decentralized team and and it's just been hard not connecting with the team but you know we've been doing some of that and and then it's just like you know, it's hard to plan too far in advance right now. It's really hard to the the, the tea leaves are harder to read than than they have in recent been in recent years. And so, but I think once again, I think that also plays to my strengths, but our team strengths too. Like we've just been confident we can figure our way through it. You know, and and you know we're uh, you know pretty challenging financial position and and you know a lot of un, unknowns. But I think. Um, also, just kind of grateful for the slowdown a little bit time with our our families. And so I think it's just been, yeah, it's been challenging. And I, I, but it is kind of, it's one of those things too. It's like, it's almost just kind of keeping everyone calm, you know, and it's like, hey, we're going to figure this out. There's nothing to do right now. <laughs> so be okay not doing anything until we, the storm passes. And that, but as the storm is prolonged, it does get, it's, you know, it's, it's up and down like I think anybody's
2: dealing with. Yeah. So now you're clearly, a community leader as well um what's that like talk about that responsibility for
0: one i i've said this so tree for like a couple of years in we the city named us the cultural ambassador for the city of boise which at the time coming out of the rock and roll world was just like i was like hey mom see i see i'm doing <laughs> something see this is cool like um and it was fun to lean into that. It was, and also I also just thought it was like such a good look for our city. I was like, yes, see, like they, these artists are legitimate leaders around here, and can be if you tap into their ingenuity and and their energy and and passion. So for me, I, I'm thankful to be at the table, you, you know, and I and I and I try not to waste the, any time I get when I am at the table. Um, but I also. I, and for me, I do take the responsibility in the sense that I just, and I, but I think, I mean, there's so many artists that could be that are playing similar roles, and 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 that's the thing is I just think like artists at the table of all kinds of decision making is 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 very important, and and the the best cities or you know or communities in general have artists at the table, and not not just they're not just pretty pictures to. to On a wall, or
2: what do you think it would take for more artists, more musicians, let's say, Mm -hmm. to uh grab their seat at the table?
0: Um, I think one thing I mean,
2: you've been saying that they have innate leadership that so many artists do, but to this day, there's still very, as you said, very few artists at the table. So, what could change that?
0: I think showing up, I think that's one thing. I think one reason why I'm at the table is as much as when someone invites me to come, you know, be a part of a conversation. I mean, I don't, I'd rather be playing music or going to a show or doing a lot of things. It's not really what I want to do, but I recognize the opportunity to make a difference. And so I show up I say, I I say yes. So I, I could see a lot of people shirking that or, you know, just thinking, you know, sometimes there's very anti-establishment stuff within the arts community, which I think is fine, but just realize that, you know, like you can make a difference if you show up. And so, um, yeah. And then I, you know, so I I, think, and part of that is maybe it's not, you haven't even been invited yet, but maybe show up to community organizing things or, um, and I think specifically, like, especially in a town like Boise, you can walk into city hall, you can go to the, C- the city council meetings. Like, I, you know, we have a very accessible government here. Yeah. And I think most towns are like that. Pe- pe- people spend more time complaining about their 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 local government on the internet, instead of just walking in the front door and realizing that there's humans behind those doors that you could actually start a conversation with about, you know know what, we have these struggling venues in town that your noise ordinance isn't, isn't helping. Do you realize how much value we bring to the community? Can we have a conversation?
2: To all the artists listening to this, take your place at the governmental and civic table. I love how he encourages that. <laughs> As you know, Rob, I live in a small North Carolina town with a lot of artists, yes. Hillsboro. In yes. fact, our last mayor was a painter. And certainly here in this little town of North Carolina, artists have taken their place at the table and have affected policy and the quality of our communal and municipal life. So it can happen to wonderful effects. But what stuck out for you about Eric's leadership skills and strategies?
1: Well, the first is what you just said, Pierre Carlo, which is that artists are everywhere. And he clearly uh, models and was advocating that if you just get involved, you can start impacting systems around you and better incorporating the arts and change into your own communities. Uh, we've certainly seen that with With many of our interviews uh, for this podcast series, but I think Eric just is really modeling how you can become civically involved to create those changes. So that's right away the first thing that jumped out to me. And then Mm -hmm. there's just so many other pieces about his leadership that were intriguing to me. Um, One was just recognizing the skills that you already have and then applying them to your leadership, you know, things that you do naturally. He was uh, always going back to college trying to give venues and platforms for bands to share their music. And clearly the things he learned then translate directly to what he's doing today, you know, and I, I encourage that so much for artists to recognize here's the skills you've got and, and, and bring them along. You know, I didn't realize for myself, uh, using myself as an example, I had 15 years of management experience both having founded a theater company and, and then leading those teams that that's applicable, skills that I could bring to what became other leadership jobs for me in the future. Right. And um, so they're everywhere. We just have to notice those things.
2: And also the other thing he talks about, which I love, is that art, for, for the most part, artists are inherently nimble. Artists don't work in necessarily always secure settings, so they always have to find innovative ways to to create new systems, to to create something wonderful out of limited resources. So that's why they can make really be the most imaginative leaders.
1: You know, he said one thing that really stuck to me when he said uh, it was almost a weird joy around problem solving because that's something (laughs) that we love. I think that's also a trait that artists have too. We're naturally problem solvers in a lot of ways. That's how a lot of our art is created through solving problems within the art itself or maybe sometimes within the world. You know, he's just talking about getting the job done, and that's how artists know how to do it. Uh, that's why I think, to me, maybe more than in any other profession, that artists have translatable skills that best affect good leadership. Uh, I really appreciate you bringing this interview to us, Pierre Carlo.
2: It was a pleasure speaking with him.
1: So if you'd like to learn more about Eric, please go to uncsa.edu slash artist leader. And if you enjoyed this interview, please let us know by leaving us a rating or a comment wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Our theme music is by the dimes. I'm Pier Carlo Talenti.
1: And I'm Rob Kramer. Thanks so much for listening.